guys, uh, and you know, uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, on whatever this is we're going to do for the next hour. We we appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I haven't talked about film in a while. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. First thing I, I want to do because both you guys are are in New York, so I want to know if if you guys are okay. I know we had the big news with with you know your leader in chief Cuomo, so I just want to check in with you guys and make sure everything was okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's all, I mean, <laughs> New York is still yeah, hanging in there. Yeah, finally, everything's solved. It's awesome. Everything, there's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it took. Yeah, there's no dark shit on the sidewalk. <sighs> well, no, well, we got human shit in San Francisco, so we'll, we'll trade you if you want that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still a thing, right? Russ, I mean, you still see it. Uh, not really. Go to the financial district. I'm sure, yeah, if you go down Mission, I'm sure it's everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, rough stuff. All right, Russ, how you want to start? Um, well, uh, I should warn you guys that uh, I'm a little fanboy, and I have been looking forward to this forever. Thank you guys for um, dealing with all of our scheduling. We actually we changed the whole format of the podcast, and we started doing two a week, and Clark's been flying to Arizona every week. And he's just been gone all the time. So it's been really tricky scheduling this. But, man, I'm looking forward to talking to you, too. Um, so, Jason, happy to have you join us this time. I, um, I'll give you a little bit of background about how we got here. Uh, via a random recommendation, film recommendation on Instagram, I was turned on to Fat Tuesday. And... Um, well, actually, Oksana brought it to our attention, and we ended up watching it one night. And I was struck by like the visual language and just the way the film looked, and how it was obviously filmed guerrilla style, but like in the center of chaos, there was the most like methodical filmmaking. Like it was just very tactical uh, precision with this camera. And the only film I could think to relate it to was Toad Road, and we were watching the credits and I'm like, man, who, who else worked on this? It's like a weird little Island of a, of a masterpiece that I, you know, like where is the network here? And then I saw that, uh, Jason, you were thanked in the credit and I went, Holy shit. My mind has just been like blown. Like it literally felt like pre-internet, like, Oh, you're looking at a CD and you find out the producer. You haven't had that feeling in a while. No, huh? not in a very long time. And, uh, there wasn't really anybody to talk to about fat Tuesday. Like, I don't know anybody that had seen it. So I, in, we instantly were like, we got to get Jorge on the show. And then when he was telling us about how y'all are buddies, I was like, what the fuck? This is like a, a magical revelation here. And um, I'm excited to have you both on and figure out how the hell y'all met each other. Yeah. I mean, Jorge and I have been collaborating for a long time. That's, we, we met um, through another filmmaker, um, Jonathan Coet. Do you know his work? No. What what has he done? He's he made a film called Tarnation. Um, it was like a documentary um, about his family dealing with mental illness. And yeah, I mean he, he's a he's an amazing filmmaker, and he was working. Jorge, what film was that that he was working on that you and Bradford? Uh, it, well, isn't that that's that's how we met through through Jonathan, right? That's how you would no, say it. No, right? no, we met uh, just Jonathan 
uh, would have uh, these film nights because he, he was just this, this really in, intense uh, film collector. And uh, he had these film nights because he had a theater, a little theater in his house. And he had us over and he just, he just loved introducing people. I remember talking to you for a second. And the moment I said that I had the same camera, like your eyes kind of were like, oh, hello, friend. And, uh, and then we, yeah, after that, we just hit it off. Yeah. What, what kind of camera was it? The, the Canon C300. No. Oh, no, that was the, oh, wait, you never had the C300. That was the Panasonic um, HVX200. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. God, that's going way back. <laughs> like the C three hundred, I feel like that's like an ancient camera now. And like, yeah, I'm like, okay. All right, um, just that he's not in his head. It checks out. Oh god, <laughs> I'm not turning on your mic. Don't talk. Okay, what? Well, don't <laughs> tape it. Don't talk to it. So wait, so y'all have a mutual friend who's like a rare film collector? Well, no, he's, no, a, he's a filmmaker. He's a he's a well he's a really well known filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to find Jonathan Collette. I mean, he got, you know, yeah, Jonathan Collette. Collette, C-A-O-U-E-T-T-E. He, his first film was like, uh, you know, executive, executive produced by Cameron Mitchell and, and, Benson, and Gus Vincent. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And then you all just yeah, hit it off there with the same camera bonding? Yeah, well, Jason knew him way longer. He, 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 he was even involved in Tarnation, so I'm sure he, he'll tell you about that. Yeah, Jonathan's a documentary filmmaker, too. So we all kind of come from that background, you know, just working with real people in real situations. And I was shooting, you know, I was in the middle of making Toad Road. Well, or was I just starting? Um, in any event, I knew that I would need a second camera, like for sure. And Jorge was... We just hit it off right away, and it was like, "Wow, I could really use some help making this." Oh, okay. So y'all met like while you were making Toad Road. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. How now? One of the questions I had for both of you were like, "How do you come to these stories?" Like, uh, man, Toad Road's tough, and I didn't know if I wanted to start there, just because there's almost like urban legend tied into it. But um, can you tell me about like? where the idea came from um well i guess like the toad road is a real urban legend in my hometown and i just you know my first film i wanted to make something that dealt with my childhood and i wanted to shoot it in my hometown and um i just I knew I wanted that to be the, the background of the film, but I really wanted to shoot with a group of kids that were, you know, experimenting with drugs and kind of tie in that whole culture. So really, I had started um, wanting to make it with a group of people that I knew in New York, and I did some casting here. I started shooting some test footage, and right when I was ready to, you know, hey guys, let's go, we're going to, I was going to take everybody down to Pennsylvania. And it kind of just started to fall apart because of scheduling and um, it was really tough. So then I was just like, I needed, I need people that are closer to my hometown. Like I needed um, just to recast the whole film because there was no way that it was going to work with these kids from New York. It was just, it became really clear that that wasn't going to work. So then I started scouring um, MySpace at the time 
And I was just like looking, I looked at like, I mean, thousands, thousands of people. And I was just like looking at their profiles, trying to get like a sense of who might be good. And I, I started looking through Vice Magazine, um, their MySpace page and looking all at all of their like, you know, the friends that they had. And I found um, Sarah Joel, who was also connected to um, James and Jamie and the whole crew. So I just went down and I was like, I want to make this film. It's an urban legend about this road that leads to hell. And I just want you guys to, to be in it and we'll just figure it out. And they were completely down. So that's kind of how it happened. I decided just to work with people closer to York, Pennsylvania, and they were in Baltimore, which was only 45 minutes away. And yeah, it just kind of came together like that. How did that legend start with the road leading to hell? Um, it, it was just like one of those things like that high school kids would do. It, it was a road that you could drive a car down at the beginning. There was like a gate at the beginning and you could drive a car and they would say like things would happen. So kids would like go out there, drive down. And then, you know, there were stories that like the car would stop and then, you know, they could see things like the car would just like, you know, just turn off, you know, or, or there was just all these things that you heard about, like, or people would go with their bikes and they would like, you know, walk down the trail and see how far they could go at night and get freaked out. And just everybody kind of had stories about it. I never personally did it, which is kind of sad, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I just like the idea of this road that, le that led to hell. And that yep. was, you know, it was just kind of a good backdrop for, for this story about also about drug use. And you now, know. do you think you didn't go down that road out of fear or it was like, all right, this is lame. Fuck this. I don't care. I don't, it was just like everybody would talk about, but I, I didn't even really, I guess, I guess I had some friends that did go. Um, and they, they told me about it, but it was, it was just kind of like, you just, it, I don't know. It was just like in the, the ether, you know, it was like floating around, but it wasn't anything that, you know, that I did directly with anybody or, you know, it just sort of never yeah. happened for whatever reason. But, um, you know, it just, it was sort of like something I came back to when I was, cause I did want to make a film about, um, drug culture and sort of this coming of age, like self-destructive thing that was just really interesting to me. And I kind I guess Toad Road, it was just this metaphor, I guess, for all of that, that was, it, it kind of fit that storyline. And it also, like, I love horror movies and I wanted to have something that was paranormal or something unexplainable. And yeah, it, it just merging all of that together the Toad Road thing just became a clear connection to my childhood, to like my hometown. Um, and yeah, I, that's, I guess. That's so what do you look for in people when you're casting kids experimenting with drugs? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I guess something that feels very uh, like people that, that definitely live on an uncomfortable edge, you know, like just this, like in the pictures that, you know, some of these kids, there was like, I remember Jamie, there was a picture where he, 
I guess he was doing like a beer bong and then another picture. He was like, it clearly, he was like passed out at like a party. It was just like things that were showing a little bit, you know, that I definitely wanted to see something that was a little bit shocking um, that they're just putting out, you know, just by themselves, like, Oh, here, I'm just going to put myself passed out, you know, or, or, or throwing up or like, you know, yeah. um, just, yeah, like that kind of extreme culture always kind of fascinated me. So, yeah. Like taking pictures of your friends passed out in their own puke. Yeah. Now, now have either of you ever been there in your life? Because I have, I, I was very bored here in the Bay area when I got out of high school and, uh, for like a couple years of my life, I found the only thing I would do in my free time is like drink and watch movies. And Absolutely. so, uh, tell me when that changed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't do, do either you have any partying in you because that toad road feels very personal, but I don't know. Having talked to you both a little bit, you, you seem very together. Yeah. No, I mean, I went through, when I first moved to New York, I went through a heavy phase of partying and drinking. I actually never, um, I didn't, I didn't get drunk until I was 24. That was the, and it was in New York. It was the first time I got drunk. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, like, why didn't I do this sooner? Damn, I was 22. So I'm there with you. And you I know, like, I'm such a late bloomer that I was like, it gives me kind of a, a perspective on the whole thing that's coming from a little bit more of a stable place, like go finding that and um, really just kind of diving into that when I got to New York. And then really Toad Road is like sort of me revisiting because I hung out with all of the stoners and like punks and degenerates in like high school, but I was never, I, I just wasn't that person, you know, I was like a skater and you know, I loved kind of counterculture and just like, um, yeah, I, I mean. Did you ever call yourself straight edge? I never did, even though everybody else referred to me as straight edge. I, I, it was kind of just like something I just didn't do. And I, I felt like for me, just getting through, I don't know why I was like, just getting through a day, even just sober was like kind of difficult, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they used to if call I, threw, it, I hated it. Some of my friends would do like acid and like come to school. And I'm like, I can't even barely make it through the day of school without <laughs> like just not even on acid. So like, I was just very, it, it was like kind of a curiosity. I, I was always kind of interested and like loved hanging out with them while they were like going crazy, you know, but it just was like, if this is what it's like, I don't want to do that. Even though I would find it very entertaining. I was just like, I can't personally go there. And then when I got to New York and started to really go out and party and just kind of like <laughs> discover that whole world, I was like, oh my God, this is pretty mind blowing, you know, like, and I really became obsessed with it. And I wanted to like focus on a film that dealt with people going through that. Cause at the time I was going through that too, you know, in, in a way. So it's just like a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> Now, with your approach to Toad Road, like filming it, were you trying to take like a um, kind of like walking the line of like cinema verite documentary or were you influenced by any filmmaker and trying to emulate that? Um, I, I guess it's I guess it was more about 
having a real experience, not like so much making a film, but really having a very intimate experience with a group of people that were, that I was just really interested in. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I think for my films, it's like, I need to be like a super fan of those people that I'm working with to like make the project. You know, it's like, it's more, it's also like this whole discovery process where it's like, I just become fascinated. And then I'm like, I want to understand your world. I want to like, just hang out and just sort of like psychologically like unpack kind of this person. So in a weird way, it's, it's a little bit like, um, I don't know. It's, there's a, there's a heavy psychological component to it that like, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't really even know how to describe it, but I guess, yeah, I'm sort of just like documenting, um, trying to document somebody's psychosis, you know, I don't know. It's like, I totally get it. Like, I think the reason I thought of Toad Road after I watched Fat Tuesday was y'all have such a way with like empathy in your storytelling. There's such a strong emotional narrative in like all your films. I'm, I'm kind of shocked at how effective they are. And I don't really have anybody else to compare it to. Like offhand, I try to compare it to like Harmony Korine all the time. Mostly because when I was drinking and getting wasted every night, we were watching shit like Gummo or like a weird movie, Uncle Goddamn. And I don't, I'm, it's kind of like tied there with me, um, and Toad Road, but yeah, I don't know how y'all do it. And I, it's definitely your actors too. Y'all cast like the best people. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the most important thing is like finding a subject that you're really, you just feel a hundred percent about. And it's so weird because with Toad Road and Felt, I worked with people like James from the film got um, a best actor award. And um, so did uh, Amy from Felt. And like, I just had such a strong like belief in them as people. And just as like, I just, it's just amazing to see it go on to, to see them go on and win like awards for like acting where it's like, there's just something about capturing them and be like, it sort of resonates, you know? And I think that's, that's why it's been very hard to like make, you know, another film because I, I just, I've been really searching, but I found some people that, that I think could do it. Like I really do have another film potentially um, in the works, but you know, it's, it is very hard to find that in a subject and like a, you know, a person, just that, that thing that I relate to that I, you know, I need to, I need to see so that I can like, yeah, just make a film that, you know, has that kind of depth or, you know, resonance. Potentially in the works is the meanest thing you could have said. (laughs) (laughs) I've been dying to see another Jason Banker. And that's honestly, I think why I was so happy when we stumbled upon Jorge. I'm like, holy shit. There's, you know, whatever this weird subgenre is of like empathy horror. Like there's another one out there. I I love that description. That's a really cool. I haven't heard that before. Dude, I, you know, it came to me now because, uh, so before we, we started recording, I watched, um, sisters of the plague again, and we just watched felt again. And I'm like, man, these movies are so devastating in like an emotional way. And I, I remember like, there's been time now. Like I fuck, when did I first watch felt? 
it, I honestly, it wasn't even that long ago, but I feel like I've matured as a person since then. And like, I get something completely different out of it this time. And I, I don't know it. It's magical filmmaking, which is why I'm shocked y'all are here with us. But now, when did Jorge enter Toad Road? <laughs> um, I mean, Jorge, why don't you, why don't you uh, t- talk about that part? It was at that party with uh, Jonathan Coet, I guess, because uh, after that, um, <clears throat> yeah. But when you, you came down, because, um. The the scene, I guess the first scene that you... It was in November. Was that the first time I went down to actually film? Yeah, it was in November of 07. And um, it, uh, it was in... We went to Baltimore, and that's where we met the kids. And that's kind of like the first time I started hanging out with you a little bit more. But uh, uh, yeah, that was like when I really came in. And it was like the acid sticking... You know, uh, just uh, what was it? Uh, I was like the Molly with the, the um, yeah, just, the just boofing it, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and 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 that was my first, that was my first trial, I guess. Yeah, that was an amazing night. Now, Jorge edited Toad Road, correct? Correct. So you almost hit it off. To pass oh, off yeah. this like this baby, yeah, into uh, his hands. I mean, I feel like I'm missing something about how y'all bonded. Uh, well, I, yeah, I just, I, I think, or <laughs> I mean, we, we just, yeah, we're we're very, very similar filmmakers. Absolutely, that's like, it's pretty amazing because I really, Jorge is the only other filmmaker that I would say, I mean, really is similar to the style that I work in to be, I mean, maybe we just cultivated that together. I'm not sure, but it like, he was already making films too. these really bizarre. I mean, he has so many cool, like underground films that he's made that like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the real deal. I mean, I think also he trusted me because while we were doing Toad while I was editing and shoot, helping him shoot Toad Road over those, almost like four years, um, I, I had, I had made like, I had all kind of simultaneously been making five films on the side, um, that kind of started premiering <laughs> funny enough, like within like a month within, uh, Toad Road being finished and, and, um, and, and being, um, anyway, it, it was just crazy. I, I think there was a, I, I think we didn't worry about like, like he was set up. He he knew how the film was going to look, uh, what lenses, when and how, and this and that, and like the best software to like just clean all the fucking uh, just destruction that indie filmmaking does um, uh, in terms of just quality of noise and and you know. And he was always just ahead of the curve with all that, just improving the just a low just a low, uh, sort of lo-fi, just up close, intimate, uh, level. And then bringing it up to a little more of a lush, you know, like when, when, when with me and Sarah are, you know, having an intimate moment that seems like pretty awesome. And it's just like twisting of ropes and, and just like fire and, and, and kissing and, and rubbing and, and making it and doing it. And it's like, it, we just kind of, he just, I don't know. It felt like, we could both do the job of all the people we, you know, that we would see and, 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 and we would 
see our friends make films and you know they're like seven people making a movie and, and we're like we can do that and <laughs> so but we could just do it ourselves and i edit pretty quickly so and he edits too so it was just it was yeah it was just like it was too easy to to not fall into like developing this similar style and 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 while we were doing that we we made my friend we produced and shot and uh my friend's film hillbilly wolf which had the same approach uh, and he directed and wrote it, and, and it stars his childhood friend in Shreveport, Louisiana. So it, it had this really just down, just down to earth close. But then we we did the whole, you know, Toad Road sort of approach to it that, that, that we were developing, and um, you know, ourselves and our own weird ways. Um, and that movie was awesome, and it won Best Cinematography um, when it came out, and. Uh, yeah, you guys need to see Hellbilly Wolf at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm. I yeah, I've got it. <laughs> I'm. I'm, I'm going to be taking notes the whole time. <laughs> now, okay. So when y'all are on set, is it just you two? Like, h- how big of a crew do you operate with? It's not a set. Yeah, it was just. No, it sorry. was just us. No, sorry. It's just the word "set" always sounds so weird because it's not really a set. It's just hanging out at places. I think with people. That's yeah. That's true. I, part of the whole thing is like we never really we kind of just get together and hang out and they're like, I kind of make it a point to like take every amount of pressure off of the situation that I can. Like when we're shooting, there's never like that this has to be used or that this is even necessarily like important to the film. I'm just like shooting kind of constantly and people don't really know you know, when they're on or when they're not on or, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, we're just there shooting. I mean, it's very much like a documentary aesthetic. It's like me and Jorge just go. And part of the thing is like, I allow the flexibility to have the subject, like whatever they're doing. And this is why it's so important to get somebody who's very aligned with the film that you're trying to make. Because, you know, for instance, the party, the, um, the like ecstasy vix party thing they were just having a party you know we didn't set that up it was sort of just like me and jorge went down to baltimore and that was what was happening and we were shooting it and we got such amazing like that scene came out of nowhere really um and yeah i think that you know the our style is pretty much we're there and we're pretty much just hanging out but you know, each of us is holding a camera and Jorge's got, I mean, his whole being like when he's on set too, like people, he's very um, disarming because he's kind of funny and he's just a cool dude. So it's like, he blends in very seamlessly into whatever's going on and we just capture like the magic. So yeah, that's kind of the trick, I guess. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, if your shooting style wasn't that way, I mean, it's, it would kill what you're, we're set out to do right because you know you've got to keep everything loose and if you've got you know more people there and you know it's just um like with, a fucking boom mic <laughs> right oh, yeah, no. yeah it would just it would just kill the you know the vibe yeah y'all yeah. are like a tag team frederick wiseman or something yeah, yeah that's that's a good reference yeah i love yeah i love wiseman and, and, and there's a lot of doc stuff that i think that's where i think we met 
from because even Jason was working with Jason Colette and his work is is very documentary oriented and then at the time and you know at times just flies off into sci-fi um uh but but basically working with with Jason and documentary uh, we made a, a, this other film my name is Faith and, and he made Squatter and uh these are all kind of not straightforward documentaries but they are not as altered and uh, just manipulated uh, in their sort of structure and narrative as as we do films like Toad Road or Shadow Zombie or Fat Tuesday. Or, um, and uh, it, it, it's it's the documentary stuff that I think he, you know, Jason used to, uh, the first video he gave me <laughs> was a little tiny, I don't know what they're called. It wasn't a, a CD or a DVD. It was like a, smaller disc what was a mini disc oh yeah like a mini dvd yeah a mini dvd and it was just uh all your skate videos do you you in pennsylvania you know so we come from this documentary uh, uh, that has a style you know he's filming you know his friends you know just skating himself skating uh and um uh and and at the same time he's stylizing it Uh, it's it and i think all that just bled and that's our into what we do. Um, I was filming just older, crazy folks in the South before I moved to New York, and and just, just listen to their crazy stuff and get into their just social life almost, like filming without knowing. And I think we that when I found Jason, I developed that and I found we we found a, a clear path on how to like use documentary as a, an indie filmmaking tool, um, and at the same time just like reach a very high level of stylization and like genre even i guess um yeah yeah all right now how much shit am i going to catch for not knowing colette as a filmmaker colette well <laughs> i'm still putting it wrong <laughs> I, you know, i'm gonna get off here and i'll lose lose <laughs> <laughs> i know and I, I can feel it now i can feel the dms of people are like are you fucking kidding? oh wait, wait, you're talking yeah, about no, man, right yeah the film collector okay that's right oh, that's how i know <laughs> isn't the ninth gate it's about him right <laughs> yeah oh wait that was books see i'm just digging a hole yeah i'm i'm like i'm dreading that now no, you it's, okay. it's okay i i yeah i'm not a huge uh you know my my filmmaking you know filmmaker background of just being able to reference all the like i'm not somebody who references other people so it's like I, you know it's fine you don't know jonathan oh i have to interject here because yeah. jason he deals in a very um he has a certain uh, obedient like he has a certain rule book uh i don't know that he goes by on how to like express the story that he's not scripting and um and he does this uh, he you speak he speaks in total genre terms yet the work resembles you know very far uh, the the very the, the, just the description he's talking like when toad road was being made we would just get into this amazing conversations about how the feeling of the film, and he would bring films like Evil Dead and uh, Pinocchio. Uh, what was it? Pinocchio, uh, fucking uh, Pinocchio Nine Six Four. Do you guys know that movie? 
Uh, yeah, right. Clark, you know it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. Re- like, there's so many films and filmmakers and, you know, it's like my reference. I have a very small pool of things that I reference that I just like love, like Pinocchio 964. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Pinocchio 964. Now, is that a Korean film? Oh, it's Japanese. It's like Japanese. a Japanese. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I do have uh, magazines with the ad in it. And it's one of those things where, you know, I discovered uh, Tetsuo very late in life. Oh, yeah, Tetsuo. That's another great one. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, Tetsuo the Iron Man. I was like, fuck, I got to go back and watch all these cool Japanese movies. The only problem is out here, in, I'm a contrarian. And out here in San Francisco, I mean, my sister, she uh, was majoring in linguistics because she wanted to be a Japanese translator. We're so steeped in that culture that I kind of like rebel against it. So yeah. even though Japan's hella cool, I I tend to not go that way. Wish Family, I know. right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a good friend. We'll drag you down. <laughs> now, last time we talked to Jorge, he said something that like has it's been stuck in my mind, and it was just the way that he approached filmmaking. And he said that he he films uh, fiction like it's a documentary, and he treats you know documentary as if it's fiction. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's like widened my eyes to. Yeah, that's beautiful. Good Love job. It. Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it was, it's one of those realizations that you kind of break down into a line and it, it all that stuff came from the, the work. I mean, we worked on so many fucking films and because we could adapt to a documentary sense uh, of place and time, our friend, uh, owner Tokel, he just writes scripts, but he would basically drag us in to shoot these 130 page scripts in seven days because we saw a room and we were like, ah, just, you know, do it this way. And we, we would float around and we could, we could follow improvisations and our work could be edited in, in different little ways. So it's, it, yeah, I, it, it's weird. It's, um, yeah, I lost my thread. I'm having a little beer. <laughs> <laughs> now, before before we get away from Toad Road, I have to ask because it was such an like internet wormhole for me. Like, I don't know, are you guys cool talking about Sarah at all? Because I'm such in a cloud with what had happened there. Uh yeah. I mean it's it's a tough thing to talk about. I don't know if it's like Well then let's do this. I it's one of those things where you find a movie like Toad Road and it, it like I said, it's kind of like an island out there in the internet. Like really somebody either has to show it to you or you just stumble upon it b- by chance. And it it's such an emotional narrative that really worked for me that you're kind of left wanting more and you're kind of like, what the fuck? What's up with this film? It feels both real and impossible at the same time. And I mean, you know, just like any weird um, blemish that shows up on our body, you turn to the internet for all the answers and you end up going down this crazy wormhole where like reality is just more blurred with, with what had happened to her. And I, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of like, I mean, it's out there on the internet for people to look at. Right. But it's so crazy. I, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's not something that I really want to speak to. Um, and it's something that goes beyond this, you know, obviously like even for 
everybody involved in the film. It's a, like a huge tragedy. And it like, it's so abstract, even to me that it's like, I, I don't even know if I've ever completely processed it, to be honest. Yeah. It, 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 I, I remember, no, I remember you telling me about this and this was like two months before what, two, three months before it actually premiered. And you know, no, it did premiere. It did premiere. It premiered at um, Fantasia. Oh shit! Right, that's right. And, and it was right after it. that. It yeah. was right after. Uh, right. Look, Jorge didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, no, and that's what I'm saying. At that that whole yeah. time, I, I think there was a lot going on. I was already. I was starting to work on felt too, and um, it was just devastating. And I think that, like I said, I you know, it's. It's something yeah. that I can't, I really can't speak to it. It's like, it yeah. just is. You know, and I, I, I was questioning if I should even bring it up again, we can move away from it, but it's just, you know, that, that movie to me, it kind of, it reminds me of a time in my life where I feel like I kind of escaped it in a haze. And when I look back on it, I'm like, you know, there were a couple years, man, where all I really got out of it was an introduction to Gummo. And I don't really remember much else that I did. And it just, it really worked as like a third act for, um, for Toad Road. And, um, I, I, the other thing I have to ask you about the one that, um, the scene that is probably the most alarming in the third act is I remember Harmony Corrine talking about, uh, he wanted to do like a comedy and he wanted it to be as tragic as possible. And the whole premise was he would just go on the street and, in, you know, agitate people until they punched him. And this was the comedy. And when we're out there, it looks like you're on like a pier or something. And we have, uh, is that James? I can't remember the character. Yeah, no, it's James. Yeah, James, like, you know, telling people, knock me out. Now, when you're filming something like that, they, he has to be like, like, how much of that is like scripted or is any of that scripted? <laughs> I mean that part, yeah. No, I think I think well this was this was another thing that was very um strange that you know that that footage, that's actually found footage that James had um that I had heard about. And I was like, you have foot like you have footage of just asking people to punch you on the, on the boardwalk. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, oh, I think my buddy has it. Like I, you know, was just blackout drunk and I was just walking around. And I was like, it was sort of like, I just, my mind exploded. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. Like, where is this footage? How can I talk to whoever has this footage? So I, you know, unfortunately, like, yes, I did not shoot that footage. But I think, you know, within this film, I think the magic of it and sort of the the horror of it and all of it was sort of slowly, you know, just coming into view as I, cause even the, just the photos that I had found, like I was saying, like I got a sense of these people on MySpace. They were all a very good, like close group of friends. Like each of them, it was like their MySpace had like the top seven or eight or however many people were your top people. And they were all in their top seven people. And I, I think like making this film with them and kind of these things like the magic of just like James already had some footage of getting beaten up. And I was like, <laughs> I, I just, this is amazing. Like, yes, give me that footage. And I just think like, you know, things that happen throughout the, the process of making the film, I think that 
that's really for me as a filmmaker, what I'm, I want to discover like things I want to like, you know, be, be equally surprised with what's happening as, you know, like it just really be in the moment and really be with these people. And, and I think that's, it's so important to my work. And that's why, you know, I allow there to be a certain amount of like organic storytelling that's sort of just erupting out of these people and just kind of trying to channel it into these different directions. And I think like, you know, cause even Sarah Jones, I honestly didn't think that she would be the lead. And I didn't think James, I thought it was going to be Jamie and uh, Sarah Joel. I thought they were going to be the two leads. And as I was shooting with them, I was like, you know what? There's James just, there's just something about James and there's something about Sarah. And Sarah was actually dating Whitley at the time, who's in the film. And, you know, I kind of said, I, I really, guys, I really want James and Sarah to be in this relationship. And it sort of created this magic, but it also created like these other tensions between Whitley and James. And like everybody in the whole crew was sort of, you know, at certain point, like there's a lot of infighting going on. So I, yeah, there's a whole lot to the film. And I think like all of these things that happened and all of these things that, you know, just even discovering that footage with James, um, yeah, I, it was it was kind of mad. It was a very magical time, you know, and, and a terrifying time as well. May I um, may I add to what he was just saying because this happened to me as well, but it happened first with him. And when we on that first time that we went to Baltimore to shoot uh, this, you know, this Rat Pack, um, like the even the lead this ex person never showed up like sarah wasn't even the lead like 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 that happened to me in this other film like the week before the girl was like you know this this person just left and and at, at the, the last second i just had to organically go in and jason had to do that and you know the group that basically he had already picked without his ex uh, actor was like already gold. It was already like a dream team. They already interconnected. Everything that we shot looked like it was part of the movie. You know, it was just like, oh, what? Like, where'd you find these guys? You know, so like it ha it worked out the way it had to. But, you know, it, it was all an experiment. You know, it's always an experiment. Any of these films, because we're not writing scripts. I mean, who writes scripts? I mean, I know people. I, I do think it's important just for the filmmaking process, at least for me, the very first day that you shoot with somebody, if it does not blow your mind, you should not do the project. Like wow. that, that I think is true. Oh yeah. Why would you? How could you? I mean, yeah. Well, no, but the thing is the way that, the way that films are made, it's like, you get a script, you get money together, you cast people who you hope are, it's going to be magic. But that's what I'm terrified about with those bigger films. It's like, there's too much on the line. Like, you know, the first day, if it's not magic and you're just like, holy shit, I just put X amount of dollars and X amount of people into this, you know, pursuit and it's not going to work, you're, you're going to know very quickly. So, I, I mean, just my advice to any filmmakers that are listening try to set yourself up where you can at least do some pre-production shooting or some testing or do, do something where you can allow like your cast to, to, to kind of speak to you in, in, a, in actually like a tangible way, because 
the worst thing to, to happen would be to cast the wrong people and then there's just no magic. And if you're not making a film about magic, then you probably shouldn't make one. Have you ever turned down a cast before? I have. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I, I see the thing is I never even, even with Toad Road, I kind of said, here's the film I want to make. This is what I want to do. Are you guys down? They were like, cool. There was never any money on the line. So it was, it was sort of like I went down and just started shooting and I was like, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And if it's not going to work, I can just not do the film or not do the film with those people. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like, I, I mean, there's been people even recently that I've been very um, excited about. And I have, after I shoot a little bit with them, I have second thoughts. Because I, mm. I question, like, I kind of can see that it's not going to work for X, Y, or Z reason, you know? You have to fall but, in I mean, love. It's like falling in love. It's like, there's nothing. It's weird. It's like, this thing has to drive you uh, to do everything. Because there's no team here. There's no script. Like, this person has to, again, you turn on the camera and they have to be, you know, everything they do, every breath they take is like gold, you know? And, and. That, that, yeah, you can't go with anybody that you have to guide to tell who they are. Um, uh, there, there, there's a very specific understanding and very uh, unique understanding each time with each person, almost like a documentary, except you're, you're, you're cosplaying in a weird way um, into this reality uh, TV. Not, not reality TV, it's just weird riffing on yourself, but... You have to find the right person. Anybody can riff on anything. It's horrible uh, most of the time. But these people would block the camera and they would just do a hyper version of themselves. It was very beautiful. And at the same time, it, was, it had a little uh, iconic little things that are very uh, uh, referential and people, they, people can identify, you know, uh, with the youth, uh, the youth uh, sort of you know, uh, anarchy that happens when you're that young, that, that sort of, um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, uh, you can't, you can't go forward unless they're gold. And yeah, those guys were gold from the, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing with micro budget indie filmmaking is like, you're pretty much down to the bone. Like there's not, you have, <laughs> there's nothing to fluff it up. There's no extra, like you're really, it's, it's you. I mean, this is just the way that I work. It's, it's like me and the camera and that, actor like or that real you know that real person that other individual and you both have to go into it trusting each other and there's there has to be a rawness that they're able to like you have to give them the freedom to be who they are and and to emote the best of who they are you know what i mean and it's sort of like for me i i have to set the stage for that and then that the that person needs to bring an equal amount of energy and risk to the table. And it's like, when you work with somebody, you, you may think that this person is, is the right one. And then you really get down to the work and you realize that they're either too self-conscious or maybe they don't trust you. Maybe it's sort of like they're only half in, you know, and that, and that shows itself very quickly. Well, then they were boiling it down to just communication of exactly what you want and, and how you can relay that to the cast. So, like, what makes you guys good communicators? Do we have any problems communicating? Because on that first day, 
when he didn't know even who his lead was and he was just analyzing the whole situation. And I was just like in the back seat, just like watching all, you know, all these wonderful, beautiful people just like do all these insane fucking things and wonderful lighting with great audio. Um, and uh, they, it, it's, um, uh, it, it's basically, um, Oh, Jason, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to explain. You. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, it, I think that's a thing. It, it, it's hard to, to explain it and, you know, just to say how it all, because it, it's such a um, organic process that you can't like, I think it's, I mean, the cast, the casting is the, is the huge thing is like identifying a person that you think can, can tell that story with you. And it's, it, you know, I've been doing it a lot lately. I've been meeting a lot of people and there's so many things that are right, but it's amazing how many things you have to get. It's, it, you can't get close. You have to actually hit the bullseye with it. Like I, I and it, I don't know how, how to explain how I get that to happen, but um, that's what I'm shooting for. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how the next film goes. It's, it's because there, there's no sets. And I think Jason was the first person I mean, when I went with him on the first shoot, he had a car that was like, <laughs> the back of it was like almost touching the ground because he had like C stands and he has, he has all the audio, all the lighting, everything. And it's one person and me, and I don't even know what a C stand is. And like, <laughs> and I'm, like I'm like, oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, C stand. Right. Great. And like, uh, all I, cause I, I'm a filmmaker by instinct. He has the technical sort of knowledge and backs back backdrop to the to the approach, and he just his ambition was was very visual with that car, just almost like the bum of it just hitting the road um, because it was so heavy, and, I, and 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 all the things he would set out to do because he wanted to be in control because it's something that you can't gamble even to he couldn't even have a DP. Uh, he couldn't gamble his what what he did organically. He had to. He can't be having that conversation with a you know what he wants with a DP. He knows what he wants. He can shoot it. Um, it it's a weird it's a weird control thing that I I've never seen before. And he pulled it off like fucking. People ask us yeah. who did sound. Who was here? I was like I, I don't know me. I know it's so weird. <laughs> It's so hard. I, you know, I, I would love to make a much bigger film with a lot more money. It would be amazing. But I just haven't figured out how to do my thing within that world yet. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was thinking about that earlier. Like what a funded film, like, I'm, and I mean like substantial budget would look like. And I came to the conclusion that I don't, I wasn't interested in it. I wouldn't like to have studio heads in there or like production people kind right. of like biting the story because I don't think you could make a fucking Jorge Jason Banker tale like that. Well, like listening to you now, you all sound like you have the technical skills. You'll have the raw talent, but you also have this like fluidity where you're just, you'll show up and it's like, you know, it's a dance you're doing with the people. And I don't know of any other filmmaker that, you know, I hear a lot of filmmakers talk about it, like giving actors room and, Maybe, you know, they have a script outline, but, you know, like there's definitely a one sided control at the end of the day where like, you know, I watch a, a movie like Shadow Zombie or like Felt 
and it's almost like the lead just takes control of everything. It's it's beautiful. I, I do have to say that our friend Jonathan Coet, um, he made a, a like a, a oh, the rare film collector. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he yeah filmmaking on the weekends, right? Um, no, <laughs> this guy was you know doing these cosmic sort of narratives and uh, he did a continuation to tarnation which is called walkway renee and he had us film and uh that went to can and that film was produced around his creative uh output whether it was left right upside down inside of that 3d out it's like it it, it, it was it was that it was love streams it was it was anya's it was, it was agnes, agnes b she had just uh i think between Mr. Lonely and whatever the hell was it, uh, Slum Breakers, um, and then like the, uh, I mean, uh, Spring Breakers, and then um, they, it, it, it's like they gave the freedom to this filmmaker that's very similar to what we do, but you know, we learned a lot of stuff from from working with Jonathan. Um, but I've never seen money being put into an artist and he, and he succeeded he made a feature we went to Cannes, and it was great we drove around in a car listening to opera with with Agnes and like smoked the you know smoked hash and it was great and it was wonderful and like uh, and i'd never seen it and and he wrote this broken script that you he would rewrite and improvise and not do this and that and then at the end it was you know it's very stressful with getting it you know and and edit locked and uh, with a lot of expectations, and he did it, and it, and it was very epic. And I just I'd never seen that. That I'm just pointing out that you know you were saying that it, it you know it, it's what it would be like to just give money to a certain type of filmmaking, uh, like like what we do that that doesn't have a full structure, and and almost like having more members would totally alter um, the the outcome, the the, the product, which is very intimate at times um but yeah jonathan he, he achieved that i think with with the weird films he made oh yeah no john it's good that you brought jonathan back up because J- jonathan is another filmmaker very similar to, to jorge and i i think um and yeah you should you should check out his films for sure oh, i'll be very familiar with his work yeah there's a lot of empathy in his work as well oh, it's yeah. like there's yeah, yeah there, there's a lot there's a lot there so it, it's it's good to mention him again yeah yeah he, i don't, his, his I, don't I was trying to think about past. sorry oh, i'm sorry now I, I was trying to think about other filmmakers that i could even kind of relate to you guys and the best they could do were are you guys um uh joel petrikas came to mind or um eugene kotlyarenko kotlyarenko yeah do you do you guys know them yeah joel petrikas i know i know his work yeah I- it's kind of on the same vibe but and tim sutton oh and tim sutton are you all familiar with him no what um what films um maybe um uh the dark knight his first film i believe was called pavilion oh pavilion um, yeah uh, i haven't seen it actually but i do know um because matt grady put that out on factor 25 right uh, was that a factor 25 thing or no i believe so i believe so i watched it not too long ago yeah you, I, you I, went I, through I did, his whole I, catalog yeah. yeah and even then i would say tim sutton it feels a little bit more constructed 
where I I don't know, man, the organic feeling of like, do you guys do storyboards Memphis, or anything? Memphis is my favorite of his. No, no storyboards like no. Do no, I, yeah, it's very counter to the the kind of stuff. That, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing is maybe how raw we go about doing the stuff. It's not. It, it's like really not like very. There's nothing traditional about it. So it's sort of, you know, it's weird because I talk about it and like I remember being like, I forget what festival I was at, but I was like talking about the film and basically somebody stood up and was like, so basically you're saying you do nothing. <laughs> you know and i'm like oh my god like are you kidding me no. motherfucker so fucking dumb. like it, i mean and, and that, it's you know it's kind of like it's hard to express but i mean it takes a lot to first of all any filmmaker i mean you know just being able to accomplish making a feature film i don't think people understand how difficult that process is just in general no matter how you do it right you know it's like not for the faint of heart and then, you know, for us, it's like, I think I just really, part of the whole reason I'm a filmmaker is because I just don't want to live in reality. <laughs> I'm there with you. Know? You know, it's like, please, like, let me, you know, let me hang out with like a group of misfits and like make magic and like make a new world that like is better than what we're in. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very much like a dreamer in that way that, but I don't like to have a script, anything that feels like I'm locked into anything. Like I do not want to feel like I'm locked into anything. And that's part of my process is like, you know, producers have come to me and said, Hey, you know, like just recently I had like, um, a conversation with a producer and, you know, we were talking about a budget and I was like explaining how I did toad road. And they were like, well, how are we going to spend this money? Like what, who, who, who do you need? Like, you don't need a DP. You don't need a sound guy. You don't need a this. You don't need it. It's like, and I realize like how completely out in left field I am as a filmmaker. Like I literally cannot work inside of the system. You know, like, I mean, I, I definitely need to try to do it though. I, I, I want to try. I want to believe that I can do it. Well, we, but we, we made many films for owner to pal. We shot them and we were in a, in a system where there's very, it, strictly yeah but that's, yeah, that's totally but that's not how we work no 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 exactly you know like but, but that's what I, I can work i can work like that if it's not my project sure no. like if, if you just want to hire me as a dp sure i can do i'll yeah. shoot whatever yeah we, we can but, yeah our films do not i i just want to say that we we can work and we totally understand that setup and i think that's why we're like fuck that i have to talk to seven fucking people to like fucking <laughs> are you kidding me and and we would yeah. see it, and we would talk about it afterwards, and and not not in a like oh no, we were just like oh man, our films. I want I want to be like, you know, fucking two centimeters from 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 their cheek, you know, like it, from their butt cheek, <laughs> you know. So it's like whatever. It's it's like we understood, and we at the same time rejected that because it just didn't work with how to like bring moments that are just completely. It's like. We want to. We really want to make these movies that uh, you can't really do a remake because it's all this, this, you know, all these sequences that are just completely, you know, just scriptless driven almost. Um, well, and, yeah, driven by life, and it's hard to. I think also on the other side of the coin because I think that it's easy. I, I think it goes completely one eighty. I think like the way Jorge and I work and we get the magic that we get is through doing it a certain way. I think the really big filmmakers 
that have access to like the best, you know, actors of our time. Apparently the best kept secret is that you just get that guy, you know, you get like Nick Cage, you know, and he's going to come in like a wrecking ball. You know what I mean? Like he's going to do so much of the heavy lifting because he's that fucking good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would love to have access. Like it would be interesting to have access to like somebody of that caliber that, you know, I could work with and, and make a film that way. That, that would be amazing to me too. You but, know, I, I think about like a studio actor like that, like even one with some like levity and or like just gravity. And I wonder how they would do with like no script and complete freedom. Like, I think you learn to like navigate the parameters. Well, we'll, I think, well and, oh, no, sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I've been trying, you know, I've been trying to, it would just be amazing to stumble upon an actor. Um, that would be able to, yeah, like work in that way. Because I think, I think actors would love that. You know what I mean? I, I just think that it's hard once you need, cause you need these contracts and they need to be protected. There, there's so many things that you, so many more hoops you have to jump through to even get to the point where you can even say yes or no. Cause even like a Nick Cage, you know, like somebody like that, like I would love to think that if I was in a room with him, we could do some amazing stuff. And I, I believe that's possible, but it's also maybe the chemistry wouldn't be right. Maybe there would be something off about the situation that you would realize like, actually what I thought would work isn't working. You know what I mean? Like totally. to, to me, I think all of the stuff where you have to, all of the legal work, all of the, you know, getting these contracts, getting all this stuff, it just kill, it just kills so much of the vibe of everything, you know? And I think that that's what I think Jorge and I just run the other way because it's hard to be in the middle where it's just, you're with, some people that got signed on and they're only like kind of half in it because there's a paycheck there and they just really want to be home doing like be home with their kids or whatever they want to do. You know, it's like, I work on commercial, like I shoot commercial work to, to make money essentially. And I see it all the time. Now, granted that's like commercial work. It's not like, you know, commercial filmmaking or anything, but it's when you're on a set with people that don't want to be there, or some, or the talent is thinking about something else. It, it's it's like the worst. I feel like we could get Nick Cage for you. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> well, the thing is, I you know when I when I look at you guys, I really think the only thing you need is somebody who understands your art and is good at like getting it out there like a publicist well, and this is coming from i feel like we do good work on this podcast we've failed at that for five years now we don't know how to market anything and i, I think you guys could thrive in like a crowdfunded community where uh, people are like, no i think mean, okay look okay <laughs> nothing against like crowdfunding it's lovely love is love you can put a price tag on it whatever it's great uh, that's awesome. I love it. We just don't, we just, our, our, our ideas and our visions have this insular black hole meta parallel universe happening. And it's, it's hard to convey all that and write an email. I have filmmakers that I've worked with that, that fucking working with the biggest actors right now. And 
the end of their emails are basically like copy and pasted just you know links to all their films so you can buy them on itunes and stuff like we we have a certain uh a, a almost like allergic reaction at times to that sort of <laughs> forwardness which is there's nothing wrong with 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 that sort that is jesus it's a blessing uh, wonderful it's a magic trick i love it we don't and by even having that allergic reaction you can see how how far we are from like letting a regular setup almost like work with our setup um and and the only time i ever saw that was was with hammer Gross. she she came from david fincher and then two days later she was like doing fat tuesday and she was like yeah lovely no script fuck that like tell me what to, and she would do this improvisational theater fucking weird awesome just beautiful thing but you know two weeks before that she was just like you know blinking at you know at command and um i never <laughs> like I, she's one actress that that would work in any of our films beautifully like because she is has one foot in total chaos and another foot and in a, a total you know dogmatic uh you know forward thinking you know uh, way of acting you know it's weird now now i mean since we last talked jorge i uh we've watched like um wtf we watched sisters of the plague shadow zombie rewatched felt toad road uh fat tooth we we've like been living in it and you know hannah gross is she stands out at the end and i don't it's it's not that she's better than anybody but her role is so different it's like she's a part like she's almost like with the film crew and it it adds like another layer to her being like the antagonist it's she's really an anomaly in like if we combined your guys uh filmographies like do i see that alone or was she like that different to work with um well it, it that movie came uh, immediately well not immediately like, just soon after finishing this other film with sophie traub called few and uh that just went to a few festivals and just won some few little things and uh jason came to puerto rico with me to this little island of the echoes with wild horses abandoned baseball fields and the jungles with tanks and fucking i mean it was insanity and it was beauty and it was what we always do in a place that just absorbs anybody's performance and you have the right right performer and uh, you know unfortunately that experience was just just filled with turmoil emotionally because i was i was i was involved with with with, with sophie at the time so uh and she's uh you know she has her own vision of things and we would clash and and, and i think immediately after that immediately after that experience i I just never wanted to make uh, just anything that was just in Indie-ish or uh, in in, um, in the sense of like, oh, it's an indie film. It's supposed to be like that. It, you know, like, like I wanted to to make uh, make films that from the second they started, they just grabbed you, uh, you know, and just did not let you go until the end. Uh, maybe, maybe that you know. I just didn't feel like that for anything I'd, I'd done before. And Fat Tuesday was this approach of like, oh, let's get a person that'll play somebody that has no like, you know, no responsibilities or just has to never has to respond to any consequences to her actions. And my place was so 
different. It changed. It completely changed. Fugue fucked me and broke me, and genre started seeping in. And I, I was like thinking more of, uh, you know, Fulci or Fulci when I was doing that. And uh, and that's when I was like, I'll shoot this myself, you know, because just like Jason, you know, I was just like, I'll fucking do it. Because Jason would uh, shot a lot of my films. Uh, would do sec, you know, with me would do a lot of story developing doing Shadow Zombie, um, and uh, uh, I don't think so many freaking, whatever. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, zero book to do. There you go. <laughs> now, where where can I watch Fugue? Uh, yeah, anyway, you can just Google it on your own finger or something like that. <laughs> okay uh-huh now i because i from last time we talked i know that y'all have like these master works that you're hiding from the world well and I, uh actually actually fugue was um was on uh it's on no budge um uh ken tucker's um outlet for the underground art of cinema and like uh he he you know, they, they prized the film and, and they gave it a prize and uh, um, he had it on there. I think it just got taken down because of Vimeo or something, um, but it's it's back on Vimeo. But it, it was a film that, that a couple of people saw and, uh, you know, just uh, just gave it merit. Uh, you know, just gave it something, I guess. <laughs> now, Jorge, I have to thank you. I've noticed that you've been putting uh, videos on Vimeo. And every time a new one comes up, like I think Pre Paradise came up not too long ago, Oksana's been telling me, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited to watch it. Um, yeah, actually, Pre Paradise was uh, one of the first things we started doing uh, together, and J- it features even Jason filming. <laughs> um, and uh, it was my reaction to working with Jason and our friend Bradford, um, and I made Pre Paradise after that because. It just, it, I was like, who doesn't want to see like behind the scenes of these movies? This shit's crazy. Like, <laughs> this is this is bigger than the fucking movies themselves. So, I, I made a movie about that, and I kind of made it in sort of an antagonist uh, filmmaker-driven story. So, it's it's it's. I think it's the most. We saw it recently on a little festival that played here in New York, and uh, it was. I, I I saw it more and was more frightened in some scenes than a than a, any horror movie that I made, just because we were making some fucking crazy, weird, awesome shit that was just kind of yeah. Like, it was great to see it. It was great to see it again after so long. Okay, I I know I'm I'm keeping you guys long at this point. Um, <laughs> but I I have to ask a couple questions about felt. Like we're out here in the Bay Area. And we have, you know, a great theater community and we have a lot of film festivals. And I've always wanted to see like a really good, dark, even like, you know, kind of on the edge of horror indie film. And um, we have a buddy, uh, Robbie Smith, who he's a filmmaker. He just moved out to the East Coast and he was over my house. We would do these sleepovers where we just buy a bunch of beer and I would let him loose in my collection. And he would just pull stuff out and we'd watch it. The thing is, I haven't seen half the movies I own. Everyone's in their mid-30s, by the way. Yeah, everyone's in their mid-30s. <laughs> awesome. No, and uh, I, I started talking about Toad Road like I always do. And he was like, have you seen his other film, Felt? Now, this is back when I hadn't. And I'm like, no, dude, he, I didn't even realize. And uh, he's like, well, you fucking own it. And he threw it on that night and we watched it. And 
man, I feel like you captured the Bay Area in a way I didn't know was possible. You really, you, like, there's one scene where um, we have our lead uh, playing on that dumbass bow that we have over by right. the Bay Bridge. And I'm like, wow, I can't, like, it really, you can, you can really transform anything when you have an eye for film. Because, I mean, yeah. I pass by that thing every time. I'm like, well, I fucking hate that statue. <laughs> like, it's like an arrow aimed at the ground, half submerged in earth. Yeah. And you no, can- I mean, San Francisco is amazing. I mean, that the whole backdrop, that's like a, a whole character in the film itself. You know, San Francisco is amazing. I'd love to make another film there. It's like beautiful. Well, it's amazing through y'all's eyes. <laughs> me, me and Jasadi were just downstairs watching it before we were talking. And uh, where the hell is that skeleton rowing a boat? Oh, yeah, that was, um, well, that's the thing. Amy knew, I guess there's like, what's the, there's like a little island um, right by one of the bridges that uh, it's like a military. Treasure Island. Treasure Island. That's where it was. That's on Treasure Island? I thought so. I think there's like um, an artist studio there in like some huge warehouse. And that, that whole warehouse, like space i think is on treasure island now what okay <laughs> now you know i love doing the show with clark because he's vastly more worldly than i am coming from mississippi and you know living in texas and yeah strong start worldly mississippi we're, we're on a good path there <laughs> he, he he uh you know could point out uruguay on a globe i however have lived in the bay area forever and you you guys found locations that i had never known about and if you found a warehouse on Treasure Island that had that cool skeleton sculpture, <laughs> how, who the fuck is taking you there? Well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what Amy, that's Amy's world. She basically opened up her world to this film. And that was um, an artist that she knew. And yeah, we just went in there and, and made some magic. I mean, that was a thing, that whole space, like. It was just amazing. And we, you know, we didn't have to pay a dime. It was like, that was like just through connections. And well, how, how did you meet up with Amy? I was, I went to like a, I guess it was like some, uh, Brit pop club at the time. I mean, we're talking about like, when, when was this 20, 2011? Um, but I, me and a buddy, we were sh- out there shooting, a, a, an Amazon, TV commercial <laughs> and uh, we went out to this, this club and Amy was there doing this like Michael Jackson dance. And she was like, just very like, she's like provoking a lot of people like very close to her, just like going up to random guys and kind of just like taunting them. <laughs> and, and she, she came up to us and, and it was, I was just like, so <laughs> interested in like who this person was. And we ended up, um, shooting like well she actually that night i think told us about the naked man suit that she had that she you know because we really got talking to her and um she said she had this she would wear this naked man suit out to like clubs and kind of like wear a skirt and then like flash like her dick to guys like they would dance (laughs) with her and then she would like flash it and just like you know just she was just a total like provocateur you know and i No, hold on. I got to stop you really quick. You keep saying we, and I imagine you and Jorge in this club with cameras in your hand. Oh, well, it was me and and our our mutual friend, Jesse McGowan. Um, Me and Jesse were there. Uh, He's he's another. But anyway, yeah, me and him were out and met her. And we actually ended up making like a short 
music video just to, you know, we just shot some footage with her in these different outfits. And like, basically a year went by or maybe a year and a half. And I just kept thinking about her and just how amazing she was. And I was like, I just need, I didn't even know what that film. I didn't even really know what I wanted to make. I just knew I wanted to make something with her. So that's kind of how even, you know, if, if somebody really is kind of speaking to me and I feel that there's some connection there and that we need to like, you know, just dive into this world. I was like, you know, I just called her and I was like, I actually don't even have an idea, but I just have to make a film with you. And she was like, let's do it. And then over the next like six months, we kind of shot and I ended up kind of coming up with how I wanted the film to end, you know, cause I, I definitely wanted to be a horror film. I mean, I, I just knew it was like, it's going to be a horror film. It's not going to end well, you know? And she was totally down and, and that was amazing making that. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. Like way earlier in the interview, you talked about not wanting to live in like this reality and make a better one. Yet the films that you two make, it's like a hyper reality with magic, except it's always like very dark and uh, <laughs> horrific. But, but I think it's because it's, it's, it's also the way we want to see things and the way Jason and I edit things. Um, um, and, and the, these scenes that we're editing are usually documentary sort of, uh, and they have this feel of like, oh, drunken man going piglets into the ocean and they swim back. Uh, just, just these scenes that are just like, what the fuck? But it just it, it lands. It sounds great. But the thing, I, I think the films are bittersweet. Isn't that, I mean, I think that's the best. I'm just saying that the way we edit things, um, we, we find this epic emotional core to things. And, and, and it's reality. It's just an intimate close portrait of somebody's like just existence or what they do. And um, it, it the way we edit it uh, and the way we sort of film it, uh, not with effects or CG, it, it feels like um, sort of uh, this existential just implosions and uh, it just feels crazy and uh, it feels very just just founded, uh, it feels grounded. Um, um, I mean, it feels, yeah, it feels very grounded in, in the docu-sense, but then we give it that just that that love that feels almost a genre, like that has a little bit of genre. Um, what, well, there's like, I mean, there's beauty and horror, you know, like, like in a way, like isn't Hellraiser sort of like very beautiful. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's something about Hellraiser, which I saw when I was a kid and I was terrified, but I was equally kind of like pulled in and it, there's like a beauty in that level of like uh, pain. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, no, Hellraiser is very much about pleasure, yeah, and, and the good things in life. I just think there's there's like a gluttony aspect, and um, it's definitely one I deal with. But now, Jorge, you mentioned that you don't use CG. Yet one of the one of the things me and Jasadi love talking about most with your films is your use of like a confrontational CGI entity, or almost like an existential horror come to life through the medium. Yeah, I mean, I, we do it in a very subtle, um, subtle way, where where it's not this entity that becomes a figure, this character that the narrative has to deliver now, uh, just to make it 
part of the narrative. Um, it, it's just these little instances of, 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 of flashes of uh, just this, these ab- abstract, spectral um, sort of moments. You know, in Shadow Zombie, you know, the mother, and all this is based in real life, um, but we do a scene where he sees his mother and, and you know, and she's, she's been murdered and we add all these effects. Um, uh, it, it, it's always just a, a little bit of a, just sprinkles on top. It, it's never this, this scene where I'm just talking to the, you know, to the big, you know, hit, you know rabbit, you know, um, um, uh, Toad Road sparingly uses these little weird uh, warping uh, moments. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love, we love genre, I think, and uh, a lot. And I think it just spills into it. And the more we get into it, the more it spills. And uh, Well, I think it's a testament to how confident y'all are as filmmakers. Because, you know, the horror community, they just, they love to fucking tear down a CGI anything, especially when it's really identifiable. But I think in Shadow Zombie particularly, it's, it's one, it's hard to notice at first, which made for a very interesting thing for the audience where it's kind of like a visual Easter egg. But when you notice it, it adds another layer there. And it's digital and confronting in a way that you can't ignore from then on. And I, I don't know if I've ever found digital work so powerful, especially when feeding into like an emotional narrative. I, that's the thing. It has to be very grounded, like the stuff we do, like the Circle of Friends that the Toad Road uh, has. Um, you could add little sparks of, uh, you know, just post-production magic because it's so grounded and, and it's, and if you don't overdo it, it just makes it into like, wait, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> and I just filmed, I just, I'm just finishing up the credits uh, for <laughs> Bride of Shadow Zombie, which is, um, it, it's just, it just draws from like 20 hours of my whole cast who knew themselves as, you know, teenagers and I have footage of them partying and, uh, it's just, I made a horror film, but it is so grounded with these characters that you're just like, what? What's real and what? Where does it begin? <laughs> and, uh, and at the same time, we're delivering this classic arc. Like, to- Toad Road is, is like Jason's just insanity of like place and sexuality and horror. And at the same time, he's like, we talk about fucking Evil Dead and the cla- and these classic movies that just like had these elements that are just like just really just frightening. Um, but somehow when we enact those things in our films, they just come out. They, they don't really you don't really see Evil Dead, but it you know it you know we're, we see Evil Dead. We see all these other crazy films that you know that are not really referenced visually. Um, um, yeah, that's why I think we yeah. do horror definitely. Dude, Shadow Zombie is is terrifying. Like whenever you think of like an indie film that's kind of expressing what it's like to be either an introvert or like lonely, you never see it articulated in the middle of a party. And like not even a lame party, like kind of like a, a wholesome, like, hey, we're we're all here and we like you party. And like, man, I, I don't know where you found Shane, but holy shit, like 
that guy delivers a punch without really needing to to go overboard or like feel like he's acting at any point. And I I have to say that pool scene in the movie where people are wearing uh I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen Shadow Zombie. There's a scene at a pool that is the most like jarring, disorienting, horrifying dreamscape <laughs> that I've that I've seen. Dude, you na- I don't know how you like capture what a that dream feels great. like, but dude, you did. Um well my editing from the beginning has always been kinda well, those characters down there are like like insane anyway. You know, like everybody involved was like out of their goddamn mind. No, and the, the thing is that the sequel has them all back plus others, Shane, and then you see Shane when he was sixteen years old. I mean it is Whoa. like you see I mean it is just it goes in and it's shot during Mardi Gras during COVID. And uh, so, <laughs> uh, during the week of extreme weather, where in you know I, I've been at, at, in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, and I'm wearing a T-shirt. This time around, it was like 18 degrees, and like it was you know we we had a drone, and we were there was like ro- full in bloom red roses, just frozen dripping water, just just it's crazy fucking what the fuck's and everything's green, but everything has snow on it, and it's just like what the fuck, and so uh, yeah, it, it's like we find these little uh, these little uh, narrow uh, path paths, um, and we latch on, and 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 then we with those you know with with those individuals, we we. Because we don't do it alone. We don't tell them, hey, I want No, like, Jason, <laughs> we, we, we have relationship with these people. They're intense. They're not just, you're like, you're coming in to do the movie. You know it from the moment you pitch it to them. I'm gonna, I want to make a movie that has your magic that I think is unique and, and people will, will identify and it will inspire and it will bring horror in a wonderful way and it'll be part of cinema and, and they know that and it's always complicated and it's emotional. And I think, yeah, I, yeah, that's all it is. Now, now when you show a dude like Shane shadow zombie, what, what kind of reaction do you get? Uh, you know, he's just so such a real, uh, sort of, uh, image of that. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't, be, you know, I, my, I couldn't, I met him maybe once, like, uh, back in 90, in the mid nineties. And, uh, it was, uh, I, I didn't recognize him until I saw the video and I was like, Oh my God, that guy, that's shame. <laughs> like, because we've all changed and, and, and we're, we're seeing, I'm seeing Kim when he's 17 years old and then we're seeing Kim and shadow zombie one. And then now, and you know, He's had a heart attack. His father passed. It's like it, um, there is a all those Shane and everybody. They're just we have a relationship with them, and we turn on the camera, and yeah, we we have to trust each other. And it's it's you. It's a relationship very similar to when you know a relationship that you have with 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 whoever or who you know, uh, and it's it's always painful. It has to be painful for both sides. It has to be complicated. Um, 
And at the end, there's always just beautiful stuff that just kind of just gets better with time. Um, wow. I'm, I'm uh, sorry to hear his dad passed. Like, I- I've never met him, but the film, it really seemed like his dad was a big part of his life. Yeah. 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 And, and, and he, he, yeah. And then, like, soon after that, he had a heart attack. And, um, like, we use all of those things. And, um, to tell a story and um i've never made a like a a a continuation or you know a sequel to a film because our films feel very definitive and they're like you know they're not they're not a franchise based or you can tell that the the, the structure is just unique and uh it's it's hard to just continue it it has its its birth and death and, and and this was the only thing that I've had this relationship with him. I, I met Kim the day his mother was murdered when he was 16. That was the day I met him. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's lasted this long and we kept in touch and we made some beautiful things. And yeah. Um, well, his I, mother was murdered? Yeah. Oh, where did you meet him? Um... Uh, he was introduced to by my friend Dane Marks, which I've made, which stars in the film as his buddy, uh, which he was in the footage. You can tell there it's all these folks, the best friends reunited during Mardi Gras Curvet. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, he he was introduced to me by Dane Marks, and um, because they, I was playing music with Dane, um, and back in like in '92, and. Uh, yeah, and and Kim just kind of just we, he became part of the the little little gang we had, the little music noise gang, and uh, I stayed in touch with him. And I didn't even know I had a script written for the first Shadow Zombie, not a script. I had like three pages of notes, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. And then when I saw him, and I I, I realized the the reality of things, I um everything shifted, and within days, I was on track to do the film that ended up being Shadow Zombie, but Shadow Zombie was a completely different film. It was it's about a girlfriend getting out of jail. It had nothing to do with, it was ideas, <laughs> it was ideas in a page. And once I saw there, my instinct, that instinct that I think that's what makes Jason and I connect and be like, oh shit, that's not gonna happen. And instead of like, you know, just like slapping my tail between my legs and, and walking off, it's like, oh no, you just, this is the film and you just shift and 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 you just connect even deeper and and it's way more emotional that way and um it's just a it, it's a thing to tapping and and and, and trusting and um, documentary stuff i think it's it's what really kind of grounded all that stuff for us well y'all you two are amazing filmmakers and I'm sorry I've been holding you hostage for this long, but I feel like I would have endless questions just trying to get a glimpse into how you even construct these powerful emotional films that, you know, they're they're everything I love about indie and like raw filmmaking straight from a filmmaker to the to the end product. Yet there's a tinge of horror. I mean, it, I couldn't ask for anything better. And I, I promised you a question, Jasadi. Do you have one? I'll, I'll turn on your mic. All right. Uh, you, I mean, you asked a lot of the questions that I already had written down. 
Um, <laughs> Strong start. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys answered it. One question. Was, one question. Make it good. Um, all right. Uh, it's going to sound lame uh, connected to his because I had a lot of his. But when you're deciding on, you know, when you're shooting your next film, how much does a camera and lenses plays a part into that? Or do you kind of use what you already have? Excellent question. Yeah, I, yeah like I guess for me, I'm I'm a gearhead for sure, absolutely, and I've got way too many cameras. Um, I do think that, like, you know, picking for for me, for instance, like it's really weird. Jorge and I have been using um, cameras that are very like good and low light for a long time. Like we shot the the movie uh, Fugue that he was talking about. We shot that with the Sony a7s oh yeah um because it could shoot at fifty thousand iso and shoot in moonlight with no money you know what i mean so it's like in a weird way i I like i like the idea of the technology being something that can help um indie filmmakers with no budget you know what i mean like just because really for toad road at the time i did convince a friend of mine who you know, was willing to invest. Like, I was like, look, just give me $10,000 just so I could buy the, the package that, that I wanted. And I was like, look, if I had this, if I actually own the camera and the lights and the sound and the blah, 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 then I wouldn't need any money technically once you have that stuff, because then you can just make it, you know, you don't have to rent anything, you own it. So I do think like in terms of, just being able to get the job done, I think now there's so many great, you know, cameras out there that do allow people to work with less money. You know what I mean? Like there's, I mean, even now as, as sad as it is to say, but like the new Sony cameras are really good at like autofocus now. So you can shoot, yes. you can shoot on like a, like a 50 or an 85 and that thing will be tack sharp on the eye as they're walking towards you, which you know, a lot of hardcore filmmakers and DPs would say that's bullshit. But to be honest, it's like that, that technology alone will help make films happen that wouldn't have happened any other way. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I think that, I think the technology is important to kind of prop you up and to give you an actual option of making certain images that you wouldn't make any other way. Like, to be able to shoot in moonlight or to be able to shoot under a streetlight and have it look, you know, properly exposed, you know, so that you can see the people's faces. I mean, and they, that may not be what you want. You may want it to be all dark and you can't see anything and that's fine too. But I do think that, you know, the camera is very important to focus on and how you're going to actually do it. Um, and hopefully I, I think any filmmakers that are listening, you can absolutely make a film by yourself. Like, I know that it's, it's not, it's, it's counterintuitive to the process and like, you need the sound guy and you need this and you need that. But all of those things, honestly, with the technology, the way that it is now, I mean, if, if you want to make the film and you buy and you have like a couple thousand bucks to buy the camera and the lenses and the sound, you, you can make an amazing film. Yeah. Um, just to quote, like oh. my good friend who's a DP, 
any camera that you get now t- today, you're good. Like uh, th- I know there's a lot of debates and stuff. You probably seen it too, being a gearhead. Like oh, absolutely, it's yeah. like oh, should you go with Sony? Should you go with Blackmagic? You know, should you go with Canon? And it's like any camera that you get right now is solid. The sensors are absolutely. super good now and low light. Um, I just picked up a Sony FX3, so I'm already knowing about that. Okay, are right, you bragging great. now? Okay. No, <laughs> No, you know, as far, what I think is low light is great. I think if you got digital focus, that's cheating. It's like 007 with auto aim. No, my boy uh, Jorge over here, he did this beautiful frame where this dude came over and grabbed one of his actors and he like auto, he, he auto focused with his fucking hand, bro. And it was beautiful. Well, and I see, there you go. See, you're already knocking me. And I'm not saying I haven't now, to be honest, I haven't used... <laughs> And probably couldn't use autofocus for the work that I do because of you. You do want that organic quality. I mean, and this is it depends on what it is. You know, I shoot a lot of different like things, and sometimes you just want the focus to be absolutely perfect, and then sometimes you want if you're in a room and there's a lot going on, you're gonna have to pull focus. Like, I, I don't want to turn this into like a thing about auto. I'm not. I don't want to defend autofocus too much just yet. Jason, it is really lame, but I mean, it is very powerful. That's all I'm trying to say. I back him up because of him. I got to a point where I was filming with him for years, and I, I never, I don't think I heard ever heard the word um, autofocus for years. I mean, it was no, but autofocus never existed. But it just in the past year or two, it's actually come of age. Like right. it literally before this. This new round of cameras starting like with a lot of, you know, the Sony, probably, I, I have the, um, the FX9, you know, and the A7S three and all, and the FX3, they all, it, it's, and this is really lame with This should not, you should absolutely cut all of this out of this. <laughs> Please I'll cut it out. Do, do me a favor and just really cut this out. Cause I, I don't want to no, no way. No, no, I, I get what he's saying though. Cause gear, cause people think now you're going to have aspiring filmmakers to think, Oh, I need to go out and get an FX nine because Jason Baker has an FX nine, which it's not, it's not, and that's why I value about you guys because it's not about the camera. I mean, you may choose it for certain things, like the eight, like you were saying with A7S3. It's like it's a low light beast. Whereas, oh, yeah. you know, use what you got now. I think that's what you're trying to no, say. No, and I, I think even something like the iPhone is like a totally legit, you know, um, like, have you seen Tangerine? Oh, yeah. Sure. You know, like tangerine looks beautiful and you can use it like a little animal. I actually have the anamorphic lens for the iPhone. I've shot with it some things and it's pretty awesome. You know, it's like, yes, any camera, any camera. And I, I think my point with just talking about the tech is that all of these advances are actually helping people. Like you don't have to necessarily be a tech head to make something. I mean, like some of these new technologies, like it really, like the low light, the autofocus as much as I'm not, I don't want to say that that should be used, but you know, <laughs> it, it is something that some people will use, you know, at some point, like it's only getting better. No, you're fine. You know, Michael Bay's in Criterion, so <laughs> cinema's already died and uh, we get it. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's the thing, like I, you know, the Alexa mini people will say like, I work with so many like directors that will not shoot with anything besides like an Alexa mini just because they want that status, you know, like people want to like, like the real tech heads or even just to get respect in the industry. It's like, you need a fucking million dollar budget, which is not true, you know, but people will say like, Oh, would you shoot? You know, if you didn't shoot on an Alexa mini with like cook pancros, like 
that's garbage. You know what I mean? Which I don't think that's true. And I think that that's really also, I'm very out in left field as far as like, I have very little respect for the way that things are supposed to be because it's, you have to change with the times, you know, it's like, there's new technology out there. These cameras look amazing. Like you shouldn't be not making a film because you can't afford an Alexa mini. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Dude. Well yeah. put. Josadi, you want to say bye? End, yeah, can I just end off real quick? All right. Oh I just want to say uh, thank y'all. Like, your your films are gorgeous. And um, it just really hit me, like, personally, especially, like, like Shadow Zombie, even Toe Road, too. Like, it's the very personable films. Like you said, like, Empathy Horror. Yeah. Like, I definitely get that. And, uh, yeah, like, fuck the Alexa Mini. I mean, even though I want one. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Jason, Jorge, I I love you both so much. I I don't know what I would be watching if I didn't find your your plethora of these beautiful art house horror films. Also, my takeaway here is that y'all both are still shooting shit. You're shooting stuff on an iPhone. When I want more, you got to put it out. Stop hiding all your great work. Well, maybe we'll send you some uh, private links. Oh, don't tease me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah, us. Thanks. This was great. Yeah.